1: Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, well, Joe Biden, according to his wife, says basically they are all in on a second term. But is there anybody out there that really wants Joe Biden to have a second term? Even a number of Democrats are saying, no, thanks, Joe. No, Joe. No way. So in the midst of all of this, we are also hearing a lot from President Trump. And we talked about last night on the show, on the Rita Cosby Show, we were talking about this big announcement. And everyone's like, okay, what is the big announcement going to be? Is it going to be that he's going to be running for uh, Speaker of the House? Is he going to be announcing maybe a potential running mate? Um, Is he going to be uh, doing a lawsuit? I suggested maybe something like that because of everything coming down with the January 6th committee. And yet today, it wasn't what we all expected, especially after who could forget the Superman buildup that we heard. America needs a superhero. <laughs> and it certainly sounded big. I mean, it was like Marvel Comics, it was like Thor and everything, thunder, rain, the whole works, right? It was all right there. And so everybody thought, okay, what is the announcement? We were like wall-to-wall with calls. What is the announcement? What is it going to be? And we were all expecting this big, big thing. Uh, I don't think it was quite what we expected. Now, there were two things that came out. First, he announced this new digital trading card line. It's the NFTs, these sort of collection depictions of himself and others, uh, sort of a virtual reality thing that he's doing Um, And it was interesting. It was clever. He certainly knows how to tease things and get everybody to kind of look at things. He's certainly a master marketer. Uh, But do you think that he shouldn't have hyped it like he did? I clearly think it was not the smartest move. And whoever advised him to say, oh, I got a major announcement. And maybe from a business perspective, it was a good thing. But when you're running for president of the United States, which he is again, I don't think you necessarily want to be out there and say, oh, i got a big, big announcement, and it turns out to be digital trading cards. That was not the best move whatsoever, guys. Uh, So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Were you surprised that that was sort of part of the big announcement? And do you think that whoever is advising them on that should be like, ah, that was a bust. 1-800-848-9222, one 800 848 9222 two, two. He did however at the same time sort of present his platform in terms of fighting censorship and that is a huge issue and boy all the stuff that's come out on Twitter of late clearly shows that Twitter had been out to get President Trump and trying to stifle him at every single which way but loose and you look at it i mean in every single different direction and we're talking about suppressing his tweets we're talking about suppressing everything tied to hunter biden all these different layers and so for all of those different different reasons um he said you know what i'm gonna lay out this plan part of my campaign as he is running for 2024 to talk about specifically fighting censorship and how to do it and i think it's actually that's a clever idea and I think it's an important topic. It's something that we all care about. And he actually had some interesting sort of tangible things that he will do. So that could be sort of part of the announcement. Maybe it was like, okay, let me get everybody's attention on the first thing. And then we'll add that second layer to it, too. So do you think maybe the digital trading card thing was a clever thing? He certainly knows how to be a master marketer. There's somebody uh, I don't think there's anybody better than marketing than him. The whole world was like, what is he going to announce? What is he going to announce? What is he going to announce? But do you think the censorship thing is a valuable lesson? And for some reason so far, you know, up until what we've just heard of the latest release prior to that, Nobody's really been talking about going after some of these digital companies. I mean, a lot of these people have talked about it. We've heard a good game, but nobody's really acted on it. And nobody has ever really laid out anything concrete. I think some of these new releases from Elon Musk are certainly going to spur it on. But what do you make of the fact that President Trump said, I'm going to take this head on, and boy, has he been a victim of censorship? I mean, you look at all the numbers and how many people said, had they known about Hunter Biden, had they known all these things that uh, questionable things with potential money, potentially going to the big guy, um, things would have been different. And I'm happy to hear him saying that he's trying to do things for the future. I think that's a smart approach. I think his plans right now in terms of fighting censorship, going after it, coming back with some tangible things, I thought it was kind of interesting. So I'll give them some points for that. And I want to hear your thoughts, everybody, on all of this. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, um, in about 10 minutes or so here on the show, we're going to be talking with Jenna Ellis. Jenna is a former attorney for President Trump, also a former senior advisor for President Trump. And I want to get her take On His sort of battle of fighting censorship, where she sees this going and also what she thinks may be ahead with the January 6th committee, because the January 6th committee has been doing a lot of talking of late and they sure sound like they're going to come down with some sort of criminal referral. How does that complicate everything with President Trump and his campaign? Uh, Likely they're looking at him, obviously, as we know. Will the referral be against him? Will it be maybe among some people in a senior circle? How does that make his campaign more complex? So I want to hear your thoughts on that, too, as well. I think, you know, I think Trump's expecting it. I talked with Dick Morris a few days ago, and I remember Dick saying to me that he thinks President Trump that he probably will be charged. He thinks there will be some indictment. But he also thinks that he'll be the GOP nominee ultimately, and he thinks he'll also be reelected again. So is that the path that you think we're headed? And do you think Trump is maybe one of the only guys who has the guts to fight big tech? Now he's got a partner with Elon Musk, so it changes the dynamics in a big, big way. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 848 here is President Trump in his sort of post-Superman announcement, uh, where he talked about going after free speech and said it is important for everyone's sake. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America
2: and for the survival of Western civilization itself.
1: And he also said that he is going to go after. Now, all of these executives talk about uh, cleaning out the swamp. Uh, anybody who has played a role with suppressing free speech. And boy, is there a long list for that. Uh, Take a listen. Here's a little bit more of his announcement, post-Superman announcement.
2: And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI,
1: The DOJ, no matter who they are, no matter who they are, what are your thoughts? And do you think it is clean up on aisle seven with President Trump? And do you think he should have built this sort of uh, Superman thing to be the digital card line? And then he had this other thing. Um, Is it does he got to be careful about telling people it's a major announcement uh, when it's not really a major announcement. One 9222 One Um four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Eric, uh, line four. Eric, your thoughts about this? Hey,
3: Rita. Yeah. You, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. How many times can you come out and say you've got a big announcement? I mean, uh, now of course running for president's a big announcement, but then all of a sudden you come out with this uh, trading card, you know.
1: Yeah, he's got to be careful because people are going to go, oh, okay, good. I can't wait to tune in. And because and because he says usually when he says, hey, I have this big thing like you just brought up a great example, because when he made his big announcement, the president, it was almost built almost like the same as this. You know, right? and you can't put them both on the same level because at some point people are going to go, maybe they're not going to tune in. That's not a good thing.
3: Yeah, it was kind of cheesy. I love me tr- some Trump, but it was kind of cheesy, and I, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of off the uh, – it's it's just off the wall.
1: Yeah, somebody should have said to him, that's not a really good idea to do right now, especially no. with people looking. And, and, and the thing is, too, the other thing is with Trump, um, it's like, you know, e- even if he doesn't do – as something wrong, they're still criticizing him. People are always criticizing him, always blasting, always doing all this other stuff. Um, He's got all these, you know, even within his own party, uh, critics. And so when you have that environment, uh, you don't want to do something that sort of tees it up and gives them an opportunity. I think he should have, you know said, oh, I have something exciting and fun, a new business venture or something, as opposed to there were people who were saying on the show last night, hey, we think maybe it's going to be uh, he's going to run for House Speaker or he's going to do some other big dramatic thing. You can't bill it and put it in the same category and then have people go, oh, that's it. You know?
3: Yeah, it's a blooper.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blooper. I want to find out, like, who said this is a good idea, Mr. President. Hopefully, uh. That-
3: That's a good. Yeah, that that's what I want to know, too. But uh, thank you, Rita, for taking my call.
1: Thank you, Eric. Great talking to you. Thank you. Let's go to Frank from Maine on line one. Frank, your thoughts about this?
4: Uh, Good evening, Rita, from the snowy, beautiful state of Maine. You know, Rita, uh, Trump is always going to be Trump. He's going to come out with something huge and everybody's going to think it's huge. And people are going to listen. No matter what he does, people will listen. Now, now. His ideas during that during that speech or during that little intercession is fantastic. I love the fact he's going to sign the executive order. I love the fact he's going to start taking these people down. Payback is a you-know-what. And as far as he's concerned, he wants these people bad. So he's going to come out with anything so people will listen. They may not like him, but they will listen to President Trump. And at the end of the day, this man will be— uh, Grover Cleveland of the 21st century. who will be the second non-consecutive president of the United States. Rita, have a good night.
1: Oh, wow, Frank, you had a lot in there. So Frank firmly believes uh, that he will get reelected again. By the way, some of these new polls that have come out uh, don't necessarily look good for the president when you compare him to DeSantis. But I agree with Frank in the sense that do not by any means... Count out President Trump. I mean, this is a guy who, remember, everybody said when he was coming down the escalator, uh, basically saying, you know what, uh, this is not going to be a real race. And I said, oh, no, no, no. This is a guy who is definitely committed to this country, loves this country, uh, clearly cares, is really serious about his campaign, and doesn't mind being in the underdog position. I think he likes being in the underdog position. And some of the new polls are putting him in an underdog position, if you will, against DeSantis, but DeSantis hasn't really, he's never debated Trump. I mean, boy, that will be must see TV. And Trump is certainly a skilled guy on so many different levels. So I agree with you. I mean, he's still the master marketer and still knows how to get everybody tuned in. And I can't think of anybody in the GOP that has that ability uh, right now. I mean, even DeSantis, too. I mean, that there is an absolute skill to that. We're going to talk about that when we come back, everybody. And Jenna Ellis, Trump's former senior advisor and attorney coming up after the break, too, on The Rita Cosby Show.
0: It's The Rita Cosby Show.
1: He's thinking about me under the mistletoe. I see that, of course. And you know I love everybody's call here on the Rita Cosby show. What are your thoughts about President Trump today making this announcement about this digital trading card line? By the way, a lot of people do these things where they sell uh, you know, access or sell, you know, trading cards or likenesses. Uh, I was seeing today that, like, DeSantis is selling, like, to big donors, hey, if you want to get exclusive tickets to uh, his new inauguration, you know, he's been reelected. His inauguration is, I think, very beginning of January. So if you want to go, if you want to have the VIP package, it's a million bucks or $500,000. There's only a few tickets. So there's a lot of people that do these things. Uh, But should he have played the Superman music beforehand? I think he could have done the Superman and then announced the free speech platform. At least that would have been interesting. And I think he also could have announced maybe a potential even lawsuit against maybe some former uh, Twitter employees. Um, It'd be interesting to see how his response will be to the January 6th committee. I mean, there's so much stuff here um, that I think would have been worthy of sort of a Superman music. I'm not sure if the NFT cards is the way to go, uh, but he did have – something interesting when he was talking about the censorship and cracking down. That is a huge issue. And here is President Trump with a little bit of that announcement just a little bit ago.
2: When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our
1: nation I think it's powerful. Listen, he's been who else has been like censored like President Trump? I don't know anybody. There's never been another president of the United States who's had his social media platforms banned left and right. Uh, boy, he has been the target of the ire of the liberal Twitter. And that certainly came out through Elon Musk. Very, very abundantly clear. And it's in writing there left and right. So much so that even some Democrats have come out and said, oh, you know, is this really the way to go? Is this really the... I mean, you can see the division even within Twitter about it. So he certainly has a unique place to go. And despite all of these bumps and a lot of people were, you know, giving him a hard time today about the whole trading card thing and everything else at all, oh, this is the big announcement. It shows his campaign is dwindling and all this stuff. Don't count President Trump out. Uh, I still think that... There is a very strong chance he is going to be the GOP nominee, despite all the slings and arrows and the more legal action that's going to be coming. Uh, things could turn on a dime, remember, if the GOP House starts going after Hunter Biden. And who knows what comes out there, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. let us go to Phil on line two. Phil, your thoughts about all this?
5: Yeah, good evening, Rita. It's a pleasure to speak to you as usual. Uh, here's the deal: the first message that Trump got out about the, the uh, digital trading stuff—that's that's that's a lost leader. That's what they call in business the lost leader. It's a high-priced item; it's $100 a hundred dollars card, and it's, he just wants to see what his what his following is. He wants to get some numbers. He wants to get people involved, whether they buy or not. At least they show interest. So what he does is he's collecting information. He might not deliver. He might deliver on these cars. He might fold up the whole program. But he's doing—he's testing the—he's testing the waters to see how many people out there are still dedicated to him. The second thing about the uh, deal, I told you in the other evening or so, that he would work very closely with Musk. They—they're good buddies, and that he would use Musk. To basically cut the throats of all these people who are basically destroying our our right to know things.
1: You know, I hear I hear what you're saying. This sort of like a coordinated plan. By the way, I think your point's an interesting one, um, Phil, about uh, Trump sort of doing it more to kind of gin up the base, um, see who's out there, see our who are his loyal loyal followers. You know, um, who are willing to put ninety nine dollars, who really care and want to have. Uh, this you know collection depictions of him. That's an interesting point. So it wasn't really like a uh, a money maker or something like that. If you look at the left hand left side media, they were like, oh, they were mocking him left and right. Like this is the only thing he can do uh, to make an announcement. You think it's actually sort of a sort of a genius stroke testing the water?
5: Yes, yes, I do. Because remember one thing, Trump Donald J. Trump sat in 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 large rooms with people tossing billions of dollars, juggling billions of dollars in the air and juggling their interest and his interest. I mean, the man is no dope. He has a very high business IQ. He's probably the Einstein of the business world. There's nothing he hasn't seen. So he's playing this very carefully his own way. A lot of people will not understand him. And sometimes in life, you know as well as I do, Rita, that the most unpopular thing, the the most ridiculous thing people say about you and the mob the mob turns against you meanwhile you've won you've won the whole the whole big picture because you're telling the truth
1: yeah and listen he is one of those people clearly when he comes back he's going to be shaking it up even more than he did in the first term if he gets elected again i mean he's already saying you know look and and now he can say look on a lot of things i was right I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting. Phil, thank you very much. Really interesting call. Really appreciate it. You know, and and I'm thinking he can go now and say, look, well, look at the border. I mean, we were hearing Kevin McCarthy talking about 13 million people potentially crossing the border in the next two years. Trump can say, I blocked it. He can talk about what a bad economy Biden has right now. He can talk about so many of these issues. And also, you know, people say, oh, I'm being suppressed. I mean, people thought he was kidding. You know, oh, yeah, he's just saying that. He wasn't. Now the proof's in the pudding. Musk has shown Trump was suppressed. So he can say the deck, the deck was stacked against me, and I'm going to run again and win again.
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the
6: Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a very sad story coming from Bay St. Louis. Mississippi, where two police officers were shot and killed at a Motel 6 there early yesterday morning. The officers were responding to a call for a welfare check made to the police department from the motel, which is located along a stretch of an interstate, Interstate 90. The officers were identified as 23-year-old Brendan Estorff and 34-year-old Stephen Robin. The officers arrived at the Motel 6 just before 430 in the morning local time, and they encountered a subject who was identified as 43-year-old Amy Anderson, who was sitting in a parked vehicle with a female minor. The officers interacted with Anderson for nearly 30 minutes, and the State Department of Child Protection Services was then called. And from inside the vehicle, Anderson then reportedly shot both officers. Officer Robin died at the scene while the other officer succumbed to his injuries later on in the morning. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation said it is currently assessing this critical incident and gathering evidence. And needless to say, uh, hearts are broken all over the country, including in Mississippi, where the governor there, Tate Reeves, addressed the shooting in a message saying, that two Bay St. Louis police officers were tragically shot and killed in the line of duty. He says, quote, I am heartbroken by this terrible loss of two brave law enforcement officers. I'm praying for their family, friends, their fellow officers, and the entire Bay St. Louis community. Further said, every single day across the state of Mississippi, our law enforcement members place their lives in the line in constant and repeated acts of selfless sacrifice to their community. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with all of our great men and women in blue across this country. Um, You know, we also do our Support Our Heroes every night, which we will do in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight in our Support Our Heroes segment, we're going to be running. We did a huge telethon today, by the way, um, on our flagship station, WABC, the great WABC in New York, where I am based out of And I am proud to say we raised over a million bucks. It was the greatest thing in the world. And um, myself and my great colleagues at Rosenberg, and of course, all the other great hosts here uh, Dominic Carter and Frank and everybody else um, we all together uh, came together to support this incredible, incredible mission. It's for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And the Tunnel to Towers Foundation does so much good for law enforcement officers, for veterans. And, of course, for their families, they give them the mortgage-free homes, um, also the smart homes. I mean, such amazing, amazing work that they do to help America's bravest, the best heroes among us. And we're going to be meeting one of the heroes tonight on the show, a very special support our heroes in the next hour. We're going to be talking to U.S. Army Sergeant Rick Yarish, who suffered burns on 60 percent of his body um, when his vehicle was hit by an IED in Iraq, and he's going to talk about the amazing journey he had, talk about a a courageous hero and his family and the great work that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation does. So I can't wait for you guys to meet him and to hear his incredible story. That'll be in about an hour or so from now here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about President Trump and his fight today for free speech and also his fight against censorship, because, boy... I don't know if anyone's been more censored than President Trump. I can't think of anybody at this point, you know. In fact, the Ayatollah of Iran is still out there on Twitter tweeting death to America and death to Israel, you know. And President Trump has had to fight tooth and nail. Finally, he is back on Twitter. It'll be interesting to see if he's going to say, yeah, let's join forces. I mean, if you're running for president, I think at some point he's going to have to say, even though he's got his own truth social, at some point he's going to have to say, I got to open the spigots and also start doing Twitter, too, as well. It's such a huge platform. But boy, lots of stuff has unraveled there about how they were suppressing him and how they were also suppressing information about Hunter Biden. But that's not going to last long with the GOP House planning to investigate Hunter and the big guy very, very soon. But here is Trump today in one of his announcements where he said that it is important to fight censorship. And that's going to be a huge mission for him in his next, basically, when he becomes POTUS 47.
2: If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just one by one. They'll
1: go down. And remember how President Biden, basically his first executive order was killing 11,000 jobs? I never thought I'd ever have a president who was like bragging about killing 11,000 jobs. But that's what Biden did when he killed the Keystone Pipeline. And President Trump today said, I have a different priority. Listen to what he said his first executive order will be. Within hours of my
2: inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business or person to censor, limit, categorize or impede the lawful speech
1: of American citizens. And I think it's about time. There are so many of these people on basically, you know, right and left who said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go after these companies. And prior to everything that happened with Elon Musk, It was just all talk. They didn't do it. Uh, Now, of course, Elon Musk has opened up all these details, but Trump is actually the perfect person to say it because he can say, look what happened to me. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this and what is ahead for President Trump, again, with the January 6th committee next week, looking like they may make some sort of criminal referral. Where does his campaign go? Where does this battle against free speech go? Somebody who knows him well is his former senior advisor and former attorney, Jenna Ellis, who joins us now here on the Rita Cosby Show. Jenna, thanks so much. Great to talk with you as always, Rita. Thank you. And what a great
7: day for President Trump. And, you know, his uh, decisive leadership that he has set out with this plan to actually protect free speech, utilizing the executive office and partnering with Congress is exactly exactly the plan that America needs. And I hope that this is a wake up call to every potential Republican candidate who may challenge him in the primaries that if they don't also agree to this platform, they should not even be considered. This is exactly, exactly what America needs to modernize the application of the First Amendment.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because he is uniquely qualified, Jenna. I mean, you th- you think about how much of this impacted the race. I mean, I don't even know how you quantify the damage that happened to him in the sense. And you're an attorney um, and know him very, very well. And you sit there and you go, wait a minute. Here he is. It's a week before the election. And now we know that Twitter, according to everything that came out from Elon Musk and all the independent journalists who were working with him, They were suppressing his tweets. They were not allowing it to be shared. They were not amplifying it. And at the same time, they were suppressing everything on Hunter Biden. I mean, talk about stilting the race. Yeah, it it very well could have been outcome
7: determinative. And even though we cannot uh, precisely quantify um, exactly how that affected the outcome, what we do know is that government agents were colluding with big tech and essentially uh, transforming uh, big tech and Twitter into government agents that were unlawfully censoring. And you have uh, Jack Dorsey, who testified in, in front of Congress, that clearly uh, what were lies, whether or not he knew it at the time, is the big question for potential uh, perjury charges there. And I think it's interesting that he's openly tweeting about it. If I was his lawyer, I would be telling him just shut up at this point. But, you know, um, maybe he knows better than lawyers. But um, but this is exactly why President Trump in his lawsuit uh, previously against big tech, everybody laughed when they said, oh, please, like Twitter, is government agents, collusion, whatever. But President Trump was absolutely right. And he's being proven right. Uh, Right now, and his plan to ban federal agencies from colluding to censor Americans, and even more than that, enact criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to violate our constitutionally protected rights. That is exactly what we are missing. And every Republican, and even every Democrat who purports to love the constitutional protections in this country, needs to pledge that they would enact those types of bans, that type of legislation, and enact a digital bill of rights.
1: Where do you see his campaign headed to, Jen? I have to ask you because it's so interesting that he's doing all this, right? You know he's announced, of course, he's the only person so far who's announced that he's running. And you look at some of the new polls, do have DeSantis up. I tell everybody, and you know this you know all too well, never count out President Trump. It is so early on. Um, and DeSantis has yet to debate President Trump. That could be a whole different game changer, um, whether he even decides to run or not. Um, where do you see the twenty twenty four race headed? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's interesting that people tend to see the lens
7: of politics adjust what's happening in the here and now. If we don't even have a twenty four hour news cycle anymore, we have a twenty four second news cycle. And so people are immediately forgetting. What Donald Trump's track record was over the last four years of his administration, and how much he accomplished on a foreign policy level, on a presidential level, that uh, Ron DeSantis won't be able to claim. But right now, when people are, um, I believe, unfairly comparing, for example, his, you know, NFT release that I personally think would have been best on a different day, so that it didn't overshadow. His censorship announcement it just gave the mainstream media an easy way to deflect from the substance. But the comparison that I think is is unfair and unfortunate is saying, well, you know, Trump's releasing an NFT, but look at what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. Well, Ron DeSantis is a current incumbent of an office, so of course, President Trump right now, if he were in office, he could immediately enact and do the things that he's some of the things that he's talking about in his announcement today. And what we need to not forget is that in 2016, when President Trump did not have the track record yet, when he made promises through his first four years, he kept all of those promises. And so I think he's going to have some stiff competition with Ron DeSantis. I'm a huge fan of Ron DeSantis as well. But, of course, you can never count out President Trump. And I think that we need to compare apples to apples instead of apples to oranges.
1: And, you know, I want to play a comment, too, um, because you're right. And and listen, it's a long ways away, as you just said, too. I want to play a comment because he's obviously going to be dealing with the Adam Kinzinger's. He's going to be dealing with the Liz Cheney's. He's going to be dealing. There's I've never seen anyone who's had to deal with so much incoming, even within their own party. It is wild, Jenna. And Adam Kinzinger made this comment. I want to play it today because it's just. I just thought it was so shocking, basically equating Oklahoma City, the bombing in Oklahoma City, what happened there, um, to essentially January 6th, and just these things he said about the Republican Party that he's still a part of, um, but take take a listen. Yeah, I want to get your reaction, because I knew you would love to chime in on this one. Listen to this one, Jenna.
8: Today, limited government means inciting violence against government officials. Following the Oklahoma City bombing, former President George H.W. Bush publicly refuted those who used fear to gain support. In stark contrast, our leaders today belittle and in some cases justify attacks on the U.S. Capitol as, quote, legitimate political discourse. The once great party of Lincoln, Roosevelt, and Reagan has turned its back on the ideals of liberty and self-governance. Instead, it has embraced lies and deceit. The Republican Party used to believe in a big tent, which welcomed the tired, the poor, the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Now, we shelter the ignorant, the racist, who only stoke anger and hatred to those who are different than us.
1: That is an amazing comment from someone who still claims to be a Republican. What's your reaction, Jenna? And boy, you know, they're going to be throwing barbs left and right at President Trump. And we'll see what the January 6th committee comes back with next week. Yeah, well, you know, good thing that Adam Kinzinger after uh,
7: January will be reduced to the irrelevancy of the platform of, you know, maybe MSNBC or some, you know, stupid talking head show like that for the leftists. Um, But I would love to know what his response is to someone like Representative Nancy Mace, who very brilliantly just a few days ago in Congress Asked a witness if extreme rhetoric on social media is a threat to democracy, like what um, Kinzinger and you know some of these fake Republicans are suggesting about uh, you know President Trump and falsely suggesting that he incited violence, all of those things. And you know this this activist, this leftist, Alejandra uh, Caraballo, I think is how she pronounces it. Um, you know, of course, she's like, oh yes, of course. And then Nancy Mace puts up a couple of her own tweets that were literally calling for accosting and harassing Supreme Court justices at their own home. And when Nancy Mace said, okay, so is this an example of the online call for violence? She was like, oh, 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 you're you're not giving me enough context. It's like Nancy Mace was reading her own tweets. So I'm wondering, rather than just simply bloviating and suggesting these false comparisons with January 6th, And, you know, something like the Oklahoma City bomber. uh, What would Adam Kinzinger say to someone like Representative Mace and these types of tweets? Because the only way this only goes one way where they try to say that the online violence and these hatred and bigotry and, you know, racism and blah, blah, blah is only stoked by conservatives. But but people who are still Republicans in name only, like Adam Kinzinger, fail to call it out when it actually is present on the other side. And that's what makes him a hypocrite.
1: Yeah, boy. I mean, that was just so inflammatory when he said that. Um before I let you go, Jenna, what do you think is gonna happen next week with the January sixth committee? Um they they're saying they may make a criminal referral. We don't know if it's President Trump or someone else. How does that complicate his campaign or not. I'm just curious from your perspective. And do you think he might even have some sort of legal action he could do against maybe even some of the former uh, Twitter folks for the suppression on the other end? Right. And, you know,
7: I'm sure that there are uh, lawsuits being contemplated not only by the Trump camp, but also others like uh, my good friend James Woods, who uh, was one that was. Uh, taken off and suspended, even though there was no violation. Um, And there's, you know, there's talk about a class action uh, lawsuit against some of these uh, uh, Twitter agents who acted like that. And I think that um, those types of things should be contemplated. Uh, We do need to look at whether or not people like Jack Dorsey and others who testified in front of Congress that we know were false statements, uh, whether that amounts to perjury, if they knew that at the time. Um, But as far as, you know, the January 6th committee's report, and, you know, obviously, full disclosure, I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, um, you know, made a production that nobody on the left ever wants to talk about, about, you know, over 9,000 pages of documents of evidence that I gave to them, but, you know, still were in this whole, like, oh, there was no evidence of any shenanigans of 2020. Well, you know, none of you wanted to talk about that. But as far as the report, I think it's going to be a nothing burger. I don't think it will impact President Trump's campaign whatsoever. Um, He is he has rightly laughed off what they've done as a political partisan circus. And the only reason that they're talking right now about making criminal referrals is so that they can get attention. And it doesn't look like to the base of the Democrats that's now Liz Cheney's bread and butter that they utterly failed, which is what they did.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I I was saying I I talked to Dick Morris and Dick Morris thinks there may be a charge coming um, and he still thinks the president will, you know, just keep fighting it. Uh, He'll see it as a, you know, a political shenanigan and that he will ultimately get the nomination. He thinks he'll also get the presidency. So it's so it could be a combination of all these things. Uh, But boy, it looks like a lot of politics and they're trying to do whatever they can before January 3rd. That's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, it's
7: so great that we have voices like yours that are willing to talk honestly about this. And Dick Morris as well. I saw him up in New York last week with uh – you know, the Newsmax Christmas Party and some other events. And, um, you know, just love him. He's a great conservative voice. And I'm so thankful that people are willing to stand up and be bold and speak the truth about the political theater and partisan stunts that have no business in American politics if we are all first and foremost Americans. But it's definitely going to be an interesting two years.
1: Yeah, it sure will be. Jenna, thank you very much for joining us. Always great to have you on, Jenna.
7: Always so great. And if I don't talk to you before
1: next big Merry Christmas. But thank you so much. Thank you. You too, Jenna. Thanks so much. We'll continue with your calls, everybody. After the break, you just heard from President Trump's former senior advisor and also attorney. Her perspective, she says it is full steam ahead for President Trump. um, And also good on him for saying he is fighting censorship. Somebody needs to take it on. And Trump certainly knows what it's like to be censored. 1-800-848-9222.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: And President Trump is full steam ahead as things are going. And you just heard even from Jen Ellis that she doesn't think whatever comes out of the January 6th committee is going to deter him. And he is definitely on a mission. He said his first executive order is going to be to ban any organization that limits free speech. And I say it's about time coming. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let us go to Stan, line five. Stan, your thoughts about all this?
3: First of all, I have to say something. Uh, it's a little off topic. I want to thank WABC for Sunday night. I was the winner of the Sinatra Boulevard Sinatra Bash. And I attended, it was at uh, WABC on 3rd Avenue. It was a marvelous night. Joe Piscopo was fantastic. He's
1: great. What did and you win? To, By not, the way, what did you win? Because you won it. What did you get?
3: That was it. We showed up. We listened to the music. Oh, you got the, t- oh,
1: you got the ticket to come. I didn't see yeah,
3: I was yes. the winner of the car. Co- and so I was there. Uh, I saw Mayor Giuliani, and uh, I thought I'd see some people there. I thought I might surprise you to see you, but you were not there. I met John Casamitidis and his lovely wife. It was a wonderful night had by everybody. There was champagne flowing, and they were singing the praises of Frank Sinatra's music, and Joe was absolutely... how, How wonderful Joe was. And it was, and of course, he's on every Sunday at six to eight on WABC uh, weekends with Sinatra.
1: He is, and and I love. By the way, you know, you mentioned all uh, some of my favorite people there Jake for Roberts. sure. I so. have to
3: mention him. He was very nice to me. Well, nice guy, Jake Roberts. He's your VP. Yes. Of, look,
1: look, hey, look, I told you, We were
3: looking for you, Rita. We couldn't find you.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, I unfortunately was not there. No, um, but it was yeah. a
3: great event, and they do They did a marvelous job, and. They were celebrating the music in, uh, of and Frank Sinatra. Joe was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely, and by
1: the way, I was with Joe um, and John and others when they did the unveiling of the Sinatra statue in Hoboken.
3: Right. Oh, um, that's wonderful. So Rachel they've been—they've been—they've tre- been tremendous in their support, and Joe was fantastic. You know, singing absolutely, and, I, and he saluted me and my lady friend. We were there. There's some pictures. Maybe I'll send you some. Wait a
1: minute, you're cheating on me, Stan? You with somebody else? Oh my, well, I, Stan! I, I gotta get now. I, that
8: was
3: the good, now. I gotta get <laughs> in on. uh, What we really, you and I, love to talk about. Uh, Mr. Trump, uh, you were expecting a major announcement, and you got nothing. I mean, uh, a snake oil salesman? Uh, is exactly what he is. You saw. You were looking, Rita. Or, you or, were so or, happy or, what he might now. Digital, digital, nothing, Rita. He looked like Superman. He looked like a buffoon, Rita. With all respect, you what a so, great night so, for ABC. All
1: right. So hang on. So you think it? I, it obviously was billed to be something different than it was. I, I will say we all expected it was going to be something different. I don't think he should have been promoting it like it was something big. But I do think his executive order. At censorship, making sure that doesn't happen. I think that that's a good one. And listen, he's certainly a marketeer. I wouldn't say a snake oil salesman. You could say an art of the deal.
0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show.
9: I know your name is Rita. I
10: you
1: And we are talking about President Trump going full steam ahead. Uh, he announced his big announcement, we were talking about the Superman announcement uh, turned out to be his digital trading card line, but he also did make an announcement about going after censorship. That I think is a very powerful, powerful announcement. And this comes on the heels as some polls against DeSantis and sort of a matchup, if it happened today, don't necessarily look good for President Trump, but it's still so early on. And right now, DeSantis hasn't really been tested against Trump. The question is, will he even run? Uh, Will he want to run against President Trump? President Trump was the first man out of the gates. So where do you see the race headed? And this comes at the same time. As some new news is coming on the Biden side, and I couldn't wait to share this with you guys on the Rita Cosby show, Jill Biden is now basically telling people that she and her husband are, quote, all in on the idea of running for a second term. So we always wondered, is he still going to do it? Isn't he going, wait a minute, can I really handle it? Uh, Apparently, she wasn't keen on him necessarily running for a second term. But now the word is that she is all set and said after the midterms, after he did well, she is basically saying he is 100 percent, basically. And that's what she's telling people. He hasn't made the announcement yet. He may be waiting, I think, on a whole bunch of things. And I can tell you what I think he's going to be most worried about is the whole thing with his son, Hunter Biden. And that is because it has just come out in the last few hours that the White House is going to have to make a decision, and it's going to come probably as early as they're saying February, where they're going to have to decide whether or not to invoke executive privilege on documents tied to Hunter Biden and, remember, that Ukrainian company, Burisma, that's the Ukrainian energy company, where, remember, there were so many issues and the prosecutor was being looked at and the whole to-do, and this was when Joe Biden was vice president. And so the National Archives is replying to this Freedom of Information Act uh, that says it has a whole bunch of emails and a whole bunch of other stuff that it would like to release based on the Freedom of Information Act tied to Burisma and Hunter and others. So will the White House that has been like accusing President Trump of stonewalling with the January 6th committee and everything else – They're going to look like a bunch of hypocrites if they start invoking executive privilege and don't want anything to come out on Hunter. So when the tables turned, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. You know, I mean, how interesting is that? They're going to criticize President Trump for not wanting to appear or blocking certain things or invoking executive privilege. But then yet when the tables are turned, if they do it, they're expected to not get criticized. I think it will make them look so bad And that's why I'm not sure that Joe Biden is necessarily going to run. I think part of the reason he's waiting to announce that he may run, maybe he wants to see where all this sort of goes with Hunter Biden, because the GOP says they are full steam ahead on everything tied to Hunter Biden and that that is their priority. So this is going to get really, really ugly. What do you foresee happening in the next few weeks? Do you think it is going to be a Joe Biden versus Trump matchup? Do you think it might be a DeSantis versus Joe Biden matchup? And do you think Joe Biden can really handle the heat, especially when they start looking into his son and they have made it very clear. They're not looking necessarily into his son for the sun's sake. We all know the guy's a crackhead and likes porn and all that other stuff. They are clearly looking into the sun to see if the roads lead to the big guy. And in the middle of all this, there are a lot of groups out there separate than the Hunter Biden thing. There's a progressive group that basically says Joe isn't progressive enough. I mean, this is a guy who's letting in millions of people into the country. He's talking about giving climate reparations to Africa Who is like trading our coal industry and everything else for windmills, and yet he's not progressive enough. And this group put out an ad basically saying, Don't run Joe. Take a listen. It's absolutely critical that we don't allow a Republican to win the White House in 2024. I'm
8: concerned
6: with Joe Biden's low polling.
1: With his low popularity, it's way too much of a gamble.
8: If he runs, the election is at serious risk.
1: Joe Biden representing the status quo in 2024 simply won't cut it. We can't afford to risk the White House or a Republican who could defeat status quo Joe.
8: The threat of the GOP has become all too
1: obvious. The states could not be higher. Our ideas are way more popular than Joe Biden is. Joe Biden running undermines the Democratic Party's chances in 2024.
11: There's no question that we have a climate emergency. It's a question of willingness
12: to do something about it. It's not the time for half measures. All Americans need universal health care now.
1: There's no room to compromise when our abortion rights are on the line.
2: We can't afford to lose. Don't Don't run, Joe.
1: Don't run, Joe. Don't run, Joe.
2: Don't run, Joe.
1: That's from a Democratic group. And the reason I don't think he should run again is because he's embarrassing America on the world stage for reasons like this.
6: The best way to get something done, if you... If it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, from from uh, uh, char, excuse me, from Charlotte, one a- another line going from in-, in Florida down to Tampa of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, uh, yeah, America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him put. Uh, foot, foot, the idea that um, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? For two reasons. One, to we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is uh, um, let me say it another way. But the nature not a solid meeting with um, with uh, the uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver uh, in the states that are affected. Here's what that you
1: can do. The drivers.
6: We want to expand peak pre K for three and four year olds. Millions of pre care. Coos.
1: Wow. And that just took about two or three minutes to find those. And that's what's scary. You need to be able to communicate. You need to have the stamina. And you also need to have the vision. And you're looking at what's going on with the border. You're looking at what happened with the withdrawal of Afghanistan. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Even the trade recently. I've talked about it with Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. Uh, the fact that Paul Whalen's still sitting there. And they got out the merchant of death. And in the meantime, he's also talking to Iran, Uh, basically trying to coddle them, not really condemning the attacks on the protesters. We just look weak. And that, to me, is my biggest concern. And, you know, you want somebody with strength. And clearly, President Trump is focused. I don't agree with doing the digital trading card on a day where you're doing a major announcement. But I think that at least he has clarity and clearly is talking about America first. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Ed on line two. Uh Ed, do you think by the way that Biden is gonna run? I mean do you think he could really just physically and uh mentally handle it and then also throw in an investigation of his family, which the G O P says is is priority number one for the G O P House. Hi Rita how are you i'm good i'm good what do you think ed that's a that's a uh
4: is that a that's a multi question so as the candidates are posed all, like those those questions i i can because i am uh mentally stable as i believe uh our former president trump is and i want to say to this um i did get a good laugh about the uh those those clips that you played on uh president biden when he tries to freestyle he gets all confused he needs to to stick with the cue cards, you know, and to stick with his answers or whatever the screens are that pop it up. I'm not sure about the modern day technology, but when he gets all, when he gets answered a question and gets flustered, that's it. Now, as far as um, what you said about him running again, I believe that for the party's interest, their party's interest, he's the face of the crowd and that he, he's going to run, but he's going to, he's going to bow out after he wins. So his vice pres- president, as as the advisors have told him to do, will take over. And that's a great question. Multiple
1: but but Ed, questions. but let me ask you, she's she's a bit of a mess. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, like, gr- you know, a dump, she's a dumpster. Right. She's so, so, so think about in the middle, at least, you know, I mean, she kind of fumbles and bumbles, but her inappropriate laugh. At at the most like, you know, serious times is to me just the worst. I'll never forget that moment. She's in Poland and she's standing next to the Polish president, President Duda. And the reporter asks about the refugees that are being taken in. I mean, it was such it's such a serious issue. The Ukrainians who are fleeing war and she starts laughing. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, what the heck? You know, slapstick or something. It's just it's such a that to me is even scarier. I never thought I'd be scared. Uh, you know, more than the thought of President Biden running again. But then to have her, that is a mess, too. I mean, that's not a pretty situation for the country. And to go on the ruse of like, okay, I'm just going to win and then I'm going to turn the reins over to somebody else. uh, That's not the way our process should be working, because I think if she were at the top of the ticket, I think she would do even worse than President Biden. And some of these new polls, Ed, are putting Biden right now Uh, In the low 40s, some are in the high 30s in terms of approval. But the big question is when people are asked, hey, how do you feel like the uh, country is going? Is it going in the wrong direction? Seventy five percent say it's going in the wrong direction. So that's that is the biggest testament, I guess, to his quality. And that includes her. And I think if it was her on the top of the ticket, it'd be ninety five percent think it's going in the wrong direction. That is a mess. Uh, but I hear you, Ed. Thank you very much. Let's go to Norm, line five. Norm, what do you think? Do you think Biden is going to run? It's interesting that this story comes out that Jill Biden is telling people that she's all in and and he basically is, too.
12: Well, maybe she'll run, you know, but um, anyway, uh, I, uh, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's up to another another four years, but, uh, who knows is
1: America and, uh, but, but it, is America ready for another four years of him, Norm?
12: No, but, uh, but if you listen to that commercial you play that the Democrats, I mean, my God, it's, it's almost, it's almost like a, like something you would hear on like Saturday night live late night with, you know, like, uh, it, it's just, uh, you, you hear the priorities of liberals. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Isn't mean, it you know, interesting? That, it's called roots, uh, action. That's the name of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a whole bunch of New Hampshire voters because, of course, New Hampshire is mm-hmm. a pivotal state in the election process. Um, and basically, saying uh, he's not doing a good. Our our ideas are way more popular than Joe Biden right. is. That's their. Uh, right. That's the.
12: Uh, we're We're not going down to the bottom fast enough. We need them to run everything.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, let me ask you, Norm. <laughs> what do you make of the fact that um, Barisma is clearly going to be on the front row? And I get. And I should take mm-hmm. it even broader because. Hunter Biden is clearly going to be on the front row, front row and center. If you talk to any of mm-hmm. these Republicans um, with the House, right. they've said that that is a priority for them. And they're going to subpoena documents, and they may even get access to it really, really soon, some of these documents. Um, it's. I wonder how much that's going to affect whether he's going to run or not. If you suddenly see that your whole family and your whole family's finances and everybody else are suddenly getting hauled in and your finances are suddenly getting hauled in – That may change his mind whether to run again.
12: I think the Burisma thing, yes, uh, of course, I think that that's important. But I think also the um, the stress, if the economy keeps going down and down and down and down, the Democrats are going to be pushing to get him out. So I think that's also in play there.
1: Yeah, I I do, too. Yep, I do, too. I do, too. One thousand percent. Norm, thanks so much. Let's go to Janet real quick. Line seven. Janet, your thoughts. Hey, Janet, are you there? Hey, Janet, go ahead. Can you hear me?
10: Yep, we sure can. Go ahead. Something. I don't understand this country and what's going on right now, but how the Republicans aren't even fighting back. What Trump did, I think, was great. He has... He was able to come out and open up his big mouth to do before anybody else did what he was going to do first. We are destroying this country. We are absolutely laughed at all over the world. We are nothing now. Believe me, I know it. But And it, the whole thing has been a farce. And this man to run again, and you don't hear everybody from all sides. He can't run toilet paper off the roll. I mean, really, listen to him talk, how they can even think that he's even capable of walking alone, and he's talking about running, and the re- everybody should be screaming. We're such bad shape, and we want to give the teacher $60,000. And do you know what else? We're the worst educated country now.
1: Our kids can't come out of high school reading and doing math. And by and by, the way, Janet, it didn't get any better, of course, with everything with COVID, um, because there was such a huge loss learning, and that was thanks again also to many of the policies of Democratic leaders. And you know, your point too about Biden. You know, I I've met Biden. I met Biden the first time I met him was in the mid nineties, and and even when he debated Paul Ryan, he was sharp as a tack. He was feisty. He was spirited. He was a good debater. This he really is sadly a shell of a man that he that he was. And people, when they get up in age, certain people age and degrade more. Um, Some are super vibrant. So I, I always think, you know, age is not always indicative but clearly, he is uh, very, very frail, and you can just see even mentally. I, and and I agree with you. I think it sends such a bad signal to the world when they see someone who can't articulate their message. It is so important. If you're the leader of the free world and literally the leader of the free world that every country looks to, and you can't communicate your message clearly and you have to, like, shake hands with the air when you turn and nobody's there, and then it says, hey, sit down, and you read, hey, sit down, you know, I mean, you're in trouble and, and I agree with you. It looks so bad um, just perceptually. And it's so important to have somebody who emits strength, uh, who promotes strength, and who is clear and vibrant and inspires the world. And right now, it's like this is what they're doing. But, Janet, this is the same party that was pushing John Fetterman. This is the same party that basically made it sound like John Fetterman's William Shakespeare. That's the guy in Pennsylvania. So uh, shows they'll do anything to get elected. We'll continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show.
4: Spirits
13: song we're here
1: tonight and that's enough simply having a wonderful christmas time simply having a wonderful christmas time and you can never go wrong with a little bit of christmas music and paul mccartney here on the rita cosby show i love that song And President Biden is now thinking, gosh, maybe over the holidays we'll make that final decision. And the word is, according to people who know Jill Biden, the first lady, uh, Dr. Jill Biden, that is, um, that apparently she is all in and he is all in on running again, despite some of the gaffes and all the things we talked about. But I wonder if they're waiting until after the holidays, because remember, they were talking about doing it in Thanksgiving Because things are getting really dicey when it comes to everything with Hunter Biden. There's a chance that all these Burisma emails may be coming out soon via the National Archives. We know that the GOP is looking into it. That is priority number one. And, of course, Joe Biden all along has basically just poo-pooed the story. And basically everything he said so far doesn't seem to be right. And it sure looks awfully bad that his son was making millions upon millions of dollars and you wonder how much went to quote the big guy remember this debate moment this is when he was in the debate and he was asked about the hunter biden story it's like oh it's not there take a listen
6: there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a russian plant they have said that this is has all the car- four five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except him, his and his good friend Rudy Giuliani. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? You that's got exactly
2: what. Is this is exactly you're going? what. This we're is told. where he's going. The laptop uh, right. is Russia. Yeah. Russia Gentlemen,
1: Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. Yeah. I, I wish she had said, yeah, let's go more into that. Let's see. And now it turns out that those 51, it's like, where did they get that from? So, boy, it's about to erupt. Uh, let's go to Eric real quick. Line seven. Eric, your thoughts.
9: Hey, Rita. First of all, all the, all the same Democrats I know support President Trump, you know. But um, I think it's going to be worse. Democrats or Republicans? You it's mean Democrats. Republicans? No, Democrats. I'm a Democrat, remember? Oh, okay. Oh, no, but As things get worse, and it's only going to get worse, you leave the stuff coming out of the economy. And this group that put out this commercial, um, the DNC could have stopped it if they really wanted to, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they could have stopped it, but it is pretty interesting that it's like, uh, don't run Joe from this group. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing for Joe Biden. And I think this Hunter Biden stuff is going to be really bad for them.
0: Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, earlier today on our flagship station, the Great 77 WABC, we had a radio a thon raising funds and valuable funds and awareness for Tunnel to Towers Foundation. It is the most amazing organization. That helps military and also first responders and their families. Uh, those who are gold star families helps to give them mortgage-free homes. Those who have been severely injured to get some smart homes. This is such an amazing, amazing charity, and I encourage all of you to do what you can to give to this incredible organization. In our Radiothon this morning, we raised over a million dollars. you got to check it out on my Twitter, at Rita Cause. We have a picture of us with some of these amazing, heroic family members who came on our Radiothon. Also, the great Frank Siller, uh, who is the founder, uh, who started this organization in honor of his brother, Stephen Siller. And it was just such a powerful, powerful event. And one of the people profiled who does a lot with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and he is a great American hero, is retired Sergeant Rick Yarish. Now, Rick Yarish joined the Army in 2004 and was severely injured. On 60% of his body, he suffered severe burns. Uh, this man is such an incredible story, and I wanted to share this interview with all of you and tonight support our hero segment. Take a listen. And I am here with Sergeant Rick Yarish, who joined the U.S. Army in 2004. And Rick, I can't wait to hear about why you joined the Army. You love this country. Talk about that.
13: Well, thank you for having me, Rita. And yes, I, I do love this country. Um, there's yeah I, I have my three big reasons that i joined um really the biggest of them all was um what happened on 9-11 though and the feeling that i got from what happened then and yes there was some anger that came with it and uh for certain everybody felt angry after a while but my um the reason i joined because of 9-11 was because of the pride that i had in our country and the the way i saw we handled it and we got together and um it just the unity like putting our arms around each other i wanted to be a part of like preserve, preserving that like it felt good to see that and i wanted to be a part of preserving it so that was one of the big reasons um that i joined the military so 911 was definitely a part of that and then tunnel to towers coming into my life and being a part of that as well like just uh it was it's been an amazing 16 years that's for sure
1: Well, we are blessed to have incredible uh, men and women, of course, in the military, and you exemplify it, uh, Sergeant. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, I I love them. I love what Frank Siller has done uh, to help so many folks. And boy, you went through so much. Talk about what happened on September 1st, 2006.
13: Yeah, it was the I mean, the day my life turned upside down. Um, But if I only really knew, uh, you know, that was the day I was on a patrol in Iraq in my Bradley fighting vehicle. And uh, that day there happened to be a IED underneath uh, the road, an improvised explosive device. And my Bradley ran over it and we hit it and uh, it exploded and went through the turret, uh, the bottom of the vehicle up into the turret where I was sitting and that's also where we have our fuel tank so as soon as it hit the fuel tank i was on fire and so was the vehicle and so were my buddies inside of the vehicle with me and uh, i knew i had to get out so the first thing i did was uh climb through the top of the vehicle where i had a hatch that i left open which normally i did not leave open and thank god i did that day so i got to the top i knew i had to get off of the vehicle next because the vehicle was engulfed in flames and i jumped off the top and uh once i hit the ground uh, I broke my leg because I couldn't see uh, anything. And when I landed, I couldn't see the ground either. So I broke my leg and uh, I severed an artery in my leg and I ended up with an amputation below my knee. Um, I laid there for a little bit, did stop, drop, and roll because that's what we were taught to do. And it didn't work. I had too much fuel and there was too much fire. And then I gave up. I gave up uh, that all-important word, the word that you're talking about a lot today, that's hope. And... uh I gave up hope in that moment, and thank God it was only for a second because I ended up rolling in one direction. I fell into a canal that was there that I didn't know was there, and it saved my life put the fire out. And then uh, a couple of my friends found me carried me out. Helicopters came and took me away to the hospital, and I ended up being in the hospital for six months in San Antonio, Texas. And it's been a crazy ride this last 16 years. But um, at this point in my life, I can tell you that that day, crazy to say and it's even hard to say some days it's the best it was the best thing that ever happened to me that day because of the amazing things that have come
10: from it
1: wow everybody we are talking to just an incredible american u.s army sergeant rick yarish rick um you were burned over 60 percent of your body uh you talked about how you lost your leg uh both ears part of your nose multiple fingers uh most of the function of your hands um and yet you have that incredible, I'm glad you didn't give up. And thank goodness you went into that canal. Fast forward, suddenly this incredible organization that you and I and so many great Americans love, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, comes to you after you go through this unbelievable ordeal What was it like when suddenly, you know, Frank Siller and his amazing team come to you and say, we're going to give you and your beautiful family, your wife, uh, and now you have two daughters. I love this, 10 and 2. But they come to you and say, we're going to give you a mortgage-free smart home to your home in Vestal, New York, right near Binghamton, New York. What what did that mean to you?
13: Well, I'll tell you, (laughs) first thing I said was, I appreciate the offer, but no, thank you.
12: (laughs) Wow. Why did you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
13: I said it because, you know, I have a hard time understanding and even believing that I'm deserving of so much. Like I just did something that I believed I needed to do. And in the process of it, I got injured and I am thankful to come back to an incredible country that supports me. And, um, and I, and I said no because of that, but, I talked to my parents and I talked to my wife and um, they said, this is the opportunity. Cause what I didn't tell you is that we, my wife and I were, we were looking to build a home uh, in that moment. And we were about to take out a big mortgage and we were going to build a home that wasn't fully handicap accessible because it wasn't in our budget. Um, so then once I talked to them and they talked some sense into me because my parents and my wife are much smarter than me, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> they talked some sense into me and I said, I called again the next day after I had turned them down and in tears, I was in tears. And I don't go into tears often. I said, thank you so much for the offer because I, I don't feel like I could ever express how thankful I am for this home that helps me do so much more than I was able to do before.
1: And we just have a few seconds left. What's your message to people who are listening about just how incredible the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is, Rick?
13: They are a life-changing organization, and I have a hard time calling them an organization because they are a family, and they are my family, and they have grown in my life so much. I said the other day that there is very rarely a week that goes by that I don't hear from someone from Tunnels to Towers, and even if it's just to say hi— So what they are doing is they are changing people's lives and not just for tomorrow and the next day. It's for their entire life. Um, They will be a part of my life forever.
1: Well, we are so blessed to have just incredible heroes like you, Sergeant Rick Yarish. You give your uh, wife and your two beautiful girls a big hug from all of us this holiday season. And everybody, if you want to help the Tunnel to Towers Foundation because they are helping folks year round, especially this holiday season, you can go to t2t. dot. Cosbyonline dot com. That's two number two t2t. dot. dot com. And do whatever you can to help. You can donate the eleven dollars a month, like a lot of people do. I even made a donation myself uh, today uh, during the radiothon because I just love this organization. I love what they do, and they help great heroes like the one you just heard, United States Army Sergeant Rick Yarish, who has just such an amazing positive attitude despite everything that he has, you know, been through. Uh, burned 60% of his body after his Bradley fighting vehicle was hit by that IED in Iraq. And he is now inspiring people all over the world. And these are the kind of people that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation helps every single day. So I love this charity. Anything you can do to help is so appreciated. And we're trying to raise as much money as possible to help them and help their families. So thank you for whatever you can do to support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Foundation. And we are taking your calls because we love this great country. We're talking about what could happen in 2024. And now with word that Joe Biden and Jill Biden are basically suggesting that they're all in. They haven't made a decision officially yet. But it also comes at the time that it looks like the GOP is all in in terms of investigating Hunter Biden. And I think things are going to get really ugly quickly. I mean, you got... You know, all these details with Hunter Biden, you got all the money that he was taken in. You got those paintings that people are spending five hundred thousand dollars, you know, to buy a painting from this guy and the artwork looks like a six year old did the drawing and they're spending anywhere from like a hundred to two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. You know that there's something there. The question is what? And the minute that they have subpoena power, It's going to be really interesting. And boy, is payback going to be interesting after everything that they have done. Uh, Think about what they've done to the Republican Party, what they've done to President Trump, what they've done to everybody in terms of, you know, subpoenaing every single person and their brother. Well, guess what? Now, when the Republicans have subpoena power, once they get a hold of those bank records, it's going to be I can't wait to see who was paying Hunter Biden X amount of money, to like be a advisor on energy with Burisma who was spending millions upon millions of dollars. What else did they get? Where did the money go? Where was the shell company? There's all this stuff that the Republicans are saying that they are digging in deep in. And if you listen to James Comer, this is what he had to say. This is cut one a, and this is James Comer talking about where this investigation is headed. He said, make no mistake this is not necessarily a Hunter Biden investigation. He says they are going for the big guy. Take a listen.
11: This is an investigation of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee to conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the President's family. These include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The Biden family's business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear. This is an investigation of Joe Biden. And that's where the committee will focus in this next Congress.
1: so how ugly do you think it's going to be for Joe Biden once they start looking at all these documents? And do you think that maybe he's waiting a little bit to see where they're going to go? What are they going to ask for? And do you think he can handle the heat? I, I, you know, you can sit and say, oh, it's Russian disinformation like he did during the debate that we were saying. But that was early on when the information hadn't come out. Now we know that there are lots of serious questions. We know that the laptop's real. We knew the FBI had the laptop. They're also going to subpoena the 51 intelligence officials who claimed it was, quote, Russian disinformation, but had no information to basically justify that. That sounds like a big orchestrated scheme. So wait till all this starts unfolding. This could get really ugly really quickly. And if they get bank records and it shows that money went to another Biden entity, and then somehow it ended potentially at, say, Joe Biden. We don't know that, but we do know that if it turns out that way, that is terrible. And the Democrats right now are spending so much money trying to work up a counteroffensive. That's the thing that's so interesting. They've always been going after the Republicans and doing everything they can with January 6th. And in the last few weeks, we're hearing that they are spending millions upon millions of dollars beefing up a counteroffensive because they know how bad it's going to be with Hunter Biden. And they're going to try to slam the investigators. They're going to try to slam anything. This Tony Bobulinski guy who's going to be the main witness. So you could tell they're worried. You don't spend all this money doing a preemptive strike and trying to do whatever you can. If things are looking so, so bad, what do you think? one 800 let us go to Trish in Bedminster, where Trump has, of course, a big golf course. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? So, yes, actually, I'm a probably about a mile and a half from
10: uh, Trump's golf course here. But I, I I do think that Joe Biden's going to run. And I also don't think the American people are that interested in, in uh Hunter Biden and his story. He was a private citizen. I don't really think everybody cares, you know, what he did. Whether his paintings are six year old. I mean, look at Picasso. Who cares? People can spend whatever kind of money they want on whatever painting they want, you know. Meanwhile, you have Jared Kushner getting two billion from the Saudis.
1: So see, um, I just I disagree when it comes to the the Hunter Biden stuff. I listen and Trish. I agree when it's just a family member and there's nothing else. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I think I understand. I don't think it is just a family member. And that's why this is different to me, because they're not paying Hunter Biden, you know, all this money. And there were reports from the, you know, former mayor of Moscow's wife, $100 million or whatever it is. I mean, it was somewhere in that range. That's an enormous amount of money. They were clearly expecting some sort of influence. There are these emails. There's that testimony, again, from Tony Bobolinski and others. So that's where it gets tricky. You know, uh, they clearly were looking for something. Some of these were clearly bad actors trying to get influence. And he is still, at this time, of course, the president of the United States. And in many of these cases, he was the vice president of the United States. So if there was some sort of promise made or if he was collecting money on the side that he didn't report— or if indeed uh, there was some sort of influence, undue influence. If it just stays with Hunter Biden, um, you know, I agree. But I think it deserves to be looked into. And for many reasons, by the way, Tricia, not just because if it looks like the president may have been, you know, bought or or the money went in the wrong place, and especially bad actors, and maybe they decided his policy. There's, there's this report that he was giving basically access, uh, potentially, Uh, hunter biden and possibly others in the family uh, for the chinese energy industry as we're basically throwing our industry under the bus that to me is a story so to me i think there's a lot more to it than just uh, a guy who clearly has a you know drug problem and a sex problem go ahead trish real quick no i was just gonna say however
10: you know, everybody who goes after someone's family, they want, of course, influence. They think that this is what they do in Washington all the time. They try to get influence and buy influence. So that's
1: that's typical. That's not unusual. That happened with Trump's children but too. If you, but if you okay. didn't, if you didn't, Trish, what makes it different is if he didn't report the money, and if there was some sort of policy or something done that we don't know about. And these some of these characters are very questionable characters. That's what makes it interesting. I mean, there's some really, like, you know, Russia right now, and we're dealing with, of course, we're we're you know at war. We're siding with Ukraine, you know. I mean, that's what makes it really bad. And to me, if we're not talking about five, ten dollars. We are talking hundreds of millions of dollars. And this guy looks like, uh, you know, looks like uh, he all he had to do was uh, take a few hits of crack, and he'd be passed out, and who knows what they got on his phone. You know, I mean, he looks like a security risk uh, just walking down the street. That guy's a mess. Um, and by the way, I, I do agree. There, art is in the eye of the beholder because there are some, uh, you know, paintings that go for big bucks. But this guy is not Van Gogh and he's not Monet. That's for sure. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. One 9222
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Well, Trish thinks that basically Van Gogh and Hunter Biden have the same artistic ability. Uh, I think some people would beg to differ. one eight hundred eight 848 Let's go to Michael. Line 7. Go ahead, Michael. Your thoughts about this.
9: Hey, Rita. First of all, you're a smart woman. Anytime you hear somebody start off the conversation with, well, you know, uh, Javid Kushner got $2 billion from the Saudis. You know where she's going to proceed from there. She has nothing else to say. But here's the dangerous point. I heard that the Treasury Department is no longer transferring documents indicating major cash flows either from the US overseas or overseas to the US. And that might end the Hunter Biden uh investigation. But the other thing is that this uh uh Jared Kushner woman left out was that Hunter Biden went with his father, the president, on all these overseas
1: trips. And and but and by the way, Michael, um you know, with all due respect I have not seen any videos of Jared Kushner out there uh, trying to figure out crack and Parmesan cheese and, you know, uh, high as a kite. I mean, some of these videos, um, you know, would would make uh, anybody anybody blush. You know, if you're paying Jared Kushner was a bona fide businessman, had his own very successful career um, prior to even the White House, uh, as did, you know, all the Trump family members. Whereas the only thing successful I could see so far with Hunter is that he got high a lot. He was very successful yeah, at that.
9: Rita, Rita, you misinterpreted what I said. I said you should, you should ignore someone that comes on the phone and immediately blasts
1: but but you know what yeah, Michael and I I heard you but but I like to hear all sides because I think it's yeah. interesting to hear and and I'm open to all ideas that you know I'm I'm one of those people I do not believe in censoring you know and and to me I think you got to hear from all sides and and sometimes call them out obviously as you see it but I well, hear what you're one, saying one by, the, by the way by the way on the on the finance thing Michael I want to bring up one thing finance thing you're right because apparently the treasury hasn't been handing over a lot of these hits and a lot of them may relate to Hunter Biden but that may change when the GOP takes the house but go ahead Michael
9: Can I give you one one bit of health advice every morning always have a little piece of fish, because that way, during the course of the day, you won't be hard of herring.
1: Ah, very good. Hey, very good. By the way, I love those jokes. That's really good. And I think Trish was um, was maybe having lemons, sour lemons for breakfast as opposed to fish. But that's a good joke. That's a very good one. I like a good joke at the end of the night. We could always use that. Michael, thank you. And I heard you loud and clear. And I hear all of you loud and clear. Tomorrow night, we are going to talk about migrants coming to New York and elsewhere. And Eric Adams is saying, please help us. Please help us. And Title 42 is about to be lifted in a matter of days. Have a great night, everybody.